It's four past six. Good morning. Welcome into Izzy and Kempi for breakfast here on SENZ. Uh, good morning to you, Kempi, as well, mate. Back in the studio from the far north. Good morning, Rick Dog. Yeah, man, it was a uh, good little, good little excursion up there. Actually, the weather was primo, absolutely primo over the last few days, and uh, got a little bit of uh, work out yesterday. Came back, cruised back, got back last night. So. Um, Sitting in the studio with you today, mate. Looking forward to Robbie grabbing us a coffee. Yeah, it should be good, mate, after his big wins over the well, weekend. he keeps telling us he's got plenty of pocketfuls of it, just yeah. dripping out of his you know, diamond rings he's got and all sorts going on, big gold chains. Yeah, well, you I... get that picture in your head? I, 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 bought, I, bought the, uh, I bought the round yesterday. I kept waiting for him to offer after you told us all about his win, but it didn't come, so I ended up buying the round yesterday, so... He's like, he sounds like, like my old man, yeah. He had, had a big win at the TAB on the weekend, son. Got plenty, he's like... Yeah, come on then. Yeah, yeah. Boys a pie. Mate, well, mate, if you've got plenty, maybe you can pay for that <laughs> surgery to get your T-Rex arms extended, eh? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just shorten up all, go and take your pants down to the down to the seamstress and sew those those deep pockets up and bring them up closer to your hands so you can put them in and get some of that money out. Yeah. That's for you, Robbie. I've got a name of a good seamstress, actually. Go nice with those nice shoes that you wear every day. Oh, there you go. Rob, you're getting sorted, getting your, you're getting your, uh, your wardrobe sorted uh, via Kempe. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> you you sound ecstatic about the uh, I, I, situation. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah, that's what it sounds like, mate. I'll tell you what I know that Robbie can't wait for, and that is after 8 o'clock, Pete McGlashan, former Black Caps wicketkeeper's on. He's going to preview the Bangladesh uh, Black Caps test series, which starts tonight or oh, this afternoon. It's actually the timing works quite well. If you're a cricket fan in New Zealand, the, the test starts at 4.30 in the afternoon. Yeah, and you can – yeah, I know uh, one guy who will be – Definitely watching it. It's a guy who just finished the Rural Roundup, Andy, um, who absolutely loves his cricket. So that first test match against Bangladesh uh, today, the second one, December the 6th, I think it starts. So, yeah, uh, yeah test cricket, back on the menu. Back on the menu. No, uh, no. Matt Henry, of course, he did his hammy at the World Cup. But, they, I mean, if, you, if you're going to send a fast bowler to Bangladesh where we know it's going to be spin-friendly conditions... You want somebody who's willing to bend their back and just smash the ball into the pitch and bounce them. And is there a better option than Neil Wagner yeah. for that job? Well, yep. Yeah, well, I dare say that uh, there's going to be a number of players being used through this window, Rick, because there's plenty of Test match coming up right through the year from November to November 24. Um, Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, India, Australia, all um, in the mix. So I'd say that I'd say that. Um, Wagner, Mr. Wagner, and a lot of others are going to get a crack at some stage. Yeah, we'll have South Africa here as well, mate. I'll tell you what, the, the Black Caps against South Africa, it's a bit like state of origin for cricket, isn't it? We've got so yeah. many Saffirs in our team. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, well, and some decent ones too yeah. at that. So, um, yeah, cricket, if you're into cricket, well, it's, uh, it's going to start today. And I think it's on three now, the app. Yeah, three now. I got coverage of the Bangladesh uh, Black Caps Test series. Yeah, so, so yeah. I think I suppose you download that, or you probably get that on terrestrial TV, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think so. I think if you've got uh, Sky as well, you know, you got TVNZ Plus. Well, it's like the TV three version of that is three now. Yeah. So yeah, it's basically you'll be able to watch it on there anyway, uh, and catch uh, the cricket live. Actually, got a cricket story for you around that, uh, but we'll get to that a little bit later on. Uh, David Long also coming up on the show, Kimpy, and you wanted to get David on after an article that he wrote the other day. He's coming on after seven. Well, you know, the how do I put this? Rugby league used to be followed by a number of journalists back in the day. Peter Jessops, Aaron Lawton. Um, you know, they used to 
always right about rugby league and they weren't cheerleaders like some media people are um, who would just you know make sure that they get their tickets every year, I, I suppose, to go and watch the big games. But David Long came out and wrote a really good article yesterday and it was I thought it was really balanced and, and put it, I suppose, for in layman terms, for people that didn't actually understand what, what the discussion was about, about the New Zealand Rugby League and the decision around coaching. So um, spoke to David yesterday and said, you know, do you want to come on and have a chat about that um, that article? And he's coming on at 7 o'clock to talk through that because, mate, it's a hot topic. I've got, I got to say, it's all over Australia at the moment. Uh, you know, the Australians are basically saying that Madge was sacked. Um, he was pushed out. And, and that's just not the truth. The, tr- the truth of it we heard from Greg Peters yesterday was that he was, he was given... Um, a choice to coach New Zealand or coach New South Wales, and he chose New South Wales. Yeah, basically, you can't do both, so pick one. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It was interesting that Greg said it wasn't an ultimatum because I think that's the very definition of an ultimatum, isn't it? It's, you know, in a way, it's not an ultimatum, but it's an ultimatum. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It was interesting, but there you go. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, talk more of that, and we'll also talk to uh, Big Ben Rob, the big rig. He is coming on at seven forty because the World Darts Championships start in uh, next month. And they made a change to the board, Kempi. So you know the triple twenty. Have they put the tw- have they put the triple twenty like way back on the back of the wall somewhere? <laughs> well, they've changed the colour, <laughs> which I reckon might be slightly off-putting. But they've made it green, so it's traditionally it's, not red. it's red. It's mm. but they've made it green, and so Ben Rob's going to come on, and we'll talk to Ben Rob about that because I'll be interested to get his take on it. And it just got me thinking for a, a sport that is so vision based. Right, it's literally you standing there looking at something and trying to hit it. Green and red are the two colours that colourblind people mix up. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So that would uh, that, that's interesting too. I don't know if that's a factor or not, but uh, we'll get Ben Rob's uh, take on that around seven forty this morning. All right, let's get into this. Round one, fight. It is the triple threat. The three big questions of the day. Uh, looks like the black caps are set for a proper tour of Australia. So it's not just going to be, you know, a couple of tests or, you know, a few ODIs. It's actually going to be a proper tour, apparently. It's going to be extended to four tests, including a Boxing Day test at the MCG. Right, which is great. I mean, that's almost the pinnacle of cricket, isn't it? Playing the MCG on Boxing Day. What do you think is the equivalent in rugby league? Oh, for... There's actually two. There's, uh, I, th- I think, an origin is one of them. Um, in rugby league, like we, we don't play enough test matches for it to be a test match because test matches are played at all different venues. But I think for an origin, if you were to to have your choice of going to origin, I've often said this to people: is you've got to go to the one in Brisbane. Yeah. You know, you've got to do the the walk down past the Caxton and all that sort of that whole whole night feel. Um, and the other one is the Challenge Cup at Wembley. Wembley. You know, Wembley's, you, you've obviously seen Wembley, maybe been there, but Wembley's a pretty special place to go and play a game of rugby league. And I think back in, you know, I used to get up and watch it, you know, two o'clock in the morning when they are playing. If you remember that that great game between Hull and, and Wigan, Brett Kenny on, on the Wigan side and Peter Sterley on the Hull side, but you also had Fred um, Arkoy, James Lulawide, Gary Campbell, Dana Hara in the Hull side, um, and Westy over there in the Wigan side. You know, like it was, he just uh, you just couldn't believe how 
how many people would actually go down to Wembley to watch a game of rugby league. And and Wembley's not about Wigan and Hull, for instance, going to watch it. It's the whole league community getting behind it. So I think for me, if there was rugby league equivalents, that those would probably be the two big games. The, the irony there is that uh, you know the mecca of rugby league in Britain is Wembley, and they don't play rugby league south of the Midlands. <laughs> no, no, it's a trip to London, isn't it? Yeah, you know, and it's it's changed all over the the years. You know, now they have the um, you know the the what do they call it the the big round here where oh the, the magic round the magic round. No, that's come out of England because they yep. play that they play that all over the place. Played it up in Wales. St um, James's Park in Newcastle. Yeah, Newcastle yeah, hosted it for a yeah, while. So yeah, so I think I think for a purist that goes way back, um, for me, I've just seen some of those. You know, I remember, and and the good thing about Wembley too is the teams that are favourite don't always win it. Mm. You know, it's one of those ones where you turn it on. Oh, look, I remember Sheffield winning it. Um, they were never meant to win it. And they went down and I can't even remember who they beat, but everyone had written them off. They were going to get tonked by 30 or 40 and they've come out and won it. And and I think that's the other good thing about Wembley is that if you go to Wembley, your team's in with a shot. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a one-off game, right? And mm-hmm. it's 13 blokes on 13 blokes on yeah. a piece of grass, so yeah. anything can happen. Yeah, no, it's interesting. All right. Round two. Former Socceroo captain and Premier League player Lucas Neal is facing bankruptcy and potential jail time. He's just missed out on jail time, actually. Uh, despite earning eighty thousand Australian dollars a week during his career. Wow! How much post-career education is there? Because he basically the reason that he was facing jail time is that they found two million dollars in assets he didn't even know he had because <laughs> because of how badly financially managed he had been. Yeah. How much? How much advice is there? Um, look, I think it's a, a a big area that isn't spoken about, Rick. You know, like because what happens when you've got you know money dripping out of your pockets is you know there's lots of temptation to go. I talk about one of them is gambling. Yeah. Um, if you're in that in that realm, you know, like you know a number of people that have been caught up with that, and we've seen that through the press. Well, the other Paul one, Paul Eiffel just did a story on it. I don't know if yeah. you saw that. Paul Eiffel said he gambled away about four million during his career. Yeah, and and that's you know one massive issue. The other and the other one is you have a lot of you actually do have a lot of advisors when they know that you've got money, saying that this is the next best thing, and you do get you do get caught up on it. So. Um, you got to remember that a lot of people, a lot of these, especially in our sport, a lot of them come from, you know, a place where they don't have money to begin with, and then, yeah, you're talking, you're talking, you know, if you're at the marquee top of the the table, up up around a million dollars a year, what are you going to do with it, you know? And a be, be really advice, um, good advice to to actually have someone that was was trustworthy, that was accredited, that was giving you advice on. Um, on career, but also post-career, because that's the big problem. You go from, which no one talks about. You go from eighty thousand a week, and and on this uh, this person, yeah, he went from eighty thousand a week to four hundred pounds a week. Yeah, now that is a massive change of lifestyle, and and of course with that comes a lot of you know issues, and if you've if you haven't done your done your mass right, trying to trying to foot at eighty thousand. Um, dollar lifestyle, pound eighty thousand pound lifestyle, and four hundred pounds sort of won't work. No, does not work, and it got certainly got Lucas Neal in trouble. The uh, PFA uh, apparently helped a lot of players. They say there's probably there's hundreds, and some of them are even facing homelessness. It's that bad. Yeah, 
Um, and you know, the, the, the good thing about the PFA, which I like, is actually they have a pension. I think every professional sport should have a pension, pension fund. Yeah. You know, and how far back do you go with that? You know, because there's, there's guys now that have come out of their career, and there, there are going to be lots of civil cases against sporting bodies, especially inju- around injury. Around head injury. Um that's going to happen in the future to say, well, you know, you need to foot the bills because what happens to a lot of the players too, once they finish footy, then they've got to foot their own medical bills. Yeah, you know, I've got my own personal insurance. Mm. Um, it's a, It ain't cheap. No, no, it is definitely not you know, cheap. It, yeah. ain't, it ain't cheap for, for pers- personal medical insurance. And, you know, if, when, you're, when you're one of many players that you know have injuries and who don't have that personal insurance, then they just... Get pushed by the wayside, and of course you've got a governing body that does nothing about it. So one thing I did like from the PFA is that they do have a pension fund, and I dare say they have a medical fund as well to help players. Round three. You've heard of Iron Man, right, Kimpy? Not the superhero, but the the sport. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have you heard of Ultraman? Is that the one that Richard McCall does? Uh, I think it does. I think he might do some, something go. like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But how is this, mate? So this Ultraman in Hawaii, here's what you do. You can t- uh, you go f- over 515 kilometres in three days, right? You start with a 10-kilometre ocean swim and then a 145-kilometre k- uh, bike ride. The next day, a 276-kilometre bike ride, including hill climbs. And then on day three, a double marathon, 85 kilometres of running. Crazy. Crazy, right? So now here's a name to remember, Simon Cochran. He's a Kiwi. He has just completed this ultra marathon around Kona in Hawaii. Guess how much he won it by, time-wise? Something like that. So we're talking, we're talking, geez, would that go over two days, two or three days? Three days. Three days, okay. So he's won it by a day. Well, no, not, not quite that much, but 44 minutes between him and second – Right, that is massive. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You, the, the bloke, the bloke behind you, you can't even see. No, no, he's back. Question for you is: Is this the most impressive sporting achievement by a Kiwi this year? I'd have to say the craziest, <laughs> absolute craziest. Like I can't even comprehend it. You know, you have like swimming. A K is a long way. Yeah, a K is a decent swim. Swimming ten k's to start a race. And then finishing with two marathons, like absolutely crazy. Um, the best I, part of just over four hundred k on the bike in between. I tell you what, we need to get him on. Yeah, all right, we'll track him down. Yeah, I would say the mentally toughest um, Kiwi that we have. Yeah, because you've got to be absolutely focused in your mind to get through all that. The pain, you know. How do you train for something like that? Well, let's find out. Yeah. Let's find out. Okay, there you go. Those are your triple threat questions. If you've got any answers to those, get them through to us. Double eight, double three. Charlie's already come through. I don't know if he's talking here about the uh, uh, the greatest sporting achievement by a Kiwi in 2023, but he's going, what about the Kiwi rookie driver, Matthew Payne? All smiles after winning his first supercars race in Adelaide. He outpaced the newly crowned champion, Brody Kostecki, grabbed the maiden win at the Adelaide 500 uh, taking the hand, uh, the mantle from uh, SVG. Yeah, well, we've got plenty of good drivers on. Um, every every 
type of racing at the moment. So it, it doesn't surprise me uh, that the Kiwis are, are winning, still winning uh, in that in that um, that racing car realm. I got told ages ago about what racing is to New Zealand. Apparently, it's one of the most viewed sports in New mm. Zealand. You know, when you I don't know if you ever remember, but when we were younger, you turn the TV on and it would just have car racing on. Yeah, people going round and round tracks. Apparently. Lots of Kiwis like watching that. Yeah, 100%. Well, I, I don't do it every weekend, but Bathurst weekend. Yeah. That's the only one I really know. Yeah, well, my uncle, my uncle, big, big uh, GM, or well, Holden man, he always had Monaros, big Peter Brock man. If you if you want to talk to my uncle, you've you, you got to do it when Bathurst's not on because it's like when Bathurst is on, you want to go around, that's fine, but you're watching the race and you're not talking rubbish. You're just watching the race and talking about the race. Yeah, you do not interrupt it for anything else. So Are you a Holden man or a Ford man? Uh, Holden, but because I grew up with like my uncle's ten years older than me, so he's almost more like a big brother than an uncle. If you you know what I mean? Yeah. And he always had Bonaros. So he? so yeah, we'd go cruising. Oh, I'm a Ford man. Are you? Yeah. Oh, yeah you can fix or like repair the, daily. I like the <laughs> found on rubbish dump. I like the X one. I like the XYs, XWs, oh, XA, yeah. XAs. It's why those new Ford Utes have got drink holders <laughs> in the tray, so you got somewhere to put your See, water when you're pushing I knew, it. I knew. I knew that. Yeah. I knew that yeah. you would start straight away. What are you? Double eight, double three. You're Holden or a Ford supporter? I just, I just thought Holden's were too slow. Not when Peter Brock was driving them, mate. <laughs> or Shane Van Gisbergen for that matter, eh? 